General Nerdery. Hey, listen, you're listening to General Nerdery, a podcast about liking things. I hate you already. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And today we have on another guest, because I cannot resist bringing people to Tyler's Never Met into Tyler's house. I don't care. Hello. They all admire my artwork that I have up in the room. So My name is good. Sean. I am, I guess, your Legend of Zelda aficionado. Here to tell you all the great things about your hero and savior, Link. Did you write this down first? No, or? that was okay. that's just me spitballing. <laughs> all my notes are not relevant to probably half the stuff I'm going to say. Uh, Sean is also new here, and I'm probably going to mess up and call him Roar, because that's what I just know him as. Uh, he is the first time I've brought on a guest who's actually listened to our show before. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and he's the one that requested the Superman episode from us. So, Yay. yeah, you've come up on here before. Oh, that's excellent. I ended uh, up getting to talk about old Hollywood conspiracies because of you. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, Sean, what are your nerd credentials? What do you got? Well, I like to consider myself an action nerd. The very obvious things are Belagarth, um, but also I did mixed martial arts for three and a half years. While that doesn't sound nerdy, I learned quite a bit of firebending, <laughs> tried Wing Chun, which is airbending. Um, I like Hungar, but I'm just not earthbendy enough in my fighting style to pull that off. And um, yeah, dance like a waterbender. Anyways, that's, that's besides the point. When it comes to certain video games, that is my strong suit. A lot of Nintendo, I've just grown up playing. My first console was a Wii. Immediately got... I feel um, old when he says stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to have consoles for quite a long time. <laughs> besides, I guess, the standard Game Boys with Pokemon and all that. Um, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess was the first game I officially played all the way through because it wasn't lent to me and I didn't get stuck on the Shadow Temple. I've put in way more hours than I possibly should have in games like Twilight Princess. I've probably done about 12 playthroughs just because it's such a beautiful game. I also have hundreds of hours in the Capcom Monster Hunter series, which I highly recommend. Super fun, super awesome, and the big sword really is the best sword. <laughs> I'm um, as well as... <coughs> Insect life. <laughs> I mean, no, that's super cool. <laughs> They always steal all the mounts, though, but that's fine. Um, and along with some other stuff, um, one of my favorite video games right now is Pokemon Go. I love it because it gets me outside where I can go do fun stuff, go run for Pokemon, which I've been known to do. I once walked through a trailer hitch trying to catch a Growlithe when the game came out. Um, the word was right. I went straight through it. It hurt, but you just got to keep going. You were, what, the... The first, the second person in our town to hit level 40 on that game? No, I was about the third, maybe the fourth. Um, I was the first person in Missoula, Montana to get all 151 Pokemon in that game, though. <laughs> um, yeah, and things worked out. I have hit the equivalent of level 40, which is max level, five times about two weeks ago. So I have like 101 million XP in that game. Tyler's giving the surprised eyes, which it's, no one yeah, can see, it's, but like, it's, it's fun it's, for yeah, me. It's, <laughs> there's another Pokemon Go player in the room who hasn't heard this info, and the look in their eyes is very astounding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I only recently picked it back up, 
I took like a two-year hiatus, so I'm way behind where I should be for how long I've technically been playing. And but... that's normal, and that's fine. I know all <laughs> of the little tricks that Niantech decides, eh, no, let's just keep that. Yeah, so little things like that. I'm sure there's more. Um, I really got into comics recently since moving to Missoula, Montana, thanks to Zach, my local comic book dealer. Because let's say I need to perform as a superhero, like Superman or Spider-Man, when you really want to... That's right, you did that like Make-A-Wish thing yeah. for a while where you dressed up as superheroes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Not actually Make-A-Wish, but like knock yeah. off Make-A-Wish. It's basically... <laughs> You should tell them what they're actually called because they're a good yeah, organization. It's but. your fairy godmothers. If you're any parents out there listening and you want to bring superheroes or princesses to your kids' parties, um, or you can up as both. contact this. <laughs> yeah, so I make a mean Batman. Not quite literally mean, though very intimidating. Hopefully not at a kid's party. <laughs> <laughs> I um, a really good Superman, uh, especially when I get the hair curl going. Batman, of course, but I didn't really need any research material on that. Spider-Man. Anyways, throughout all this time, I would come over to Zach's place and be like, hey, I need to know the essence of Superman. What is it about? How can I portray him the best to inspire children to grow up good, wholesome, and defenders of the universe? And yeah, it, it went excellent. I had a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorite experiences with you was when you got off work from that and you showed up at my house dressed still as Superman and you kept, like, you walked in with your, like, arms on your hips pose and expected us to respond and all of us were like, it's Roar. It's Sean. It's, yep. <laughs> this is just our day. That's pretty accurate, not gonna lie. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Tyler, you got any news for us or? I think I got some news we can start this off a little bit. Uh... Also, that's also really all really cool. Like Zach mentioned, I just met you, so I didn't know any of this shit, and that's all really awesome. So, thumbs up, thumbs up, because this is such hey. a visual medium. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I understand. You were at one point like, maybe we could like YouTube the show, and I didn't understand why until we now. do all this shit all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so uh, to start it off, we have an official title for Jurassic World Three. I Just, still have not seen Jurassic World 2. Me either, and I feel really bad about it. I have, actually. And? I don't want to bash on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, why I haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, that's generally everyone's like, I wanted to like it. Jurassic, Jurassic Park was my favorite growing up. And it only got better the older I got. And like, Oh, I thought you were going to say it's the sequels went on. Um, yeah, one, one quick tangent, I guess, is that I was dating this one lady for a while and found out that she hadn't watched Jurassic Park. I didn't press it, but she's like, yeah, I would totally watch that with you. We were watching it, and I look over, and she looks visually terrified. And I was like, Are, is this actually scary? And she's like, oh, yeah, this is terrifying. And I'm like, it's been like... 20 years after this movie came out, and it still holds up? Well, yeah, no That's movie, awesome. No movie since has built a life-size T-Rex based off everything we knew at T-Rexes at the time. That becomes semi-sentient when it wants, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, anyways, uh, Jurassic World, it was decent. Um, I don't know how you can outrun a T-Rex in, in high heels. In high heels. But, you know, she's a strong, powerful, independent woman. And let's say she can book it over 35 miles an hour. <laughs> I enjoyed the first one. I keep meaning to see the second one, but... The, um, the quick premise, and I guess a little bit of spoiler alert, 
the second one, they bring some dinosaurs back to, I think it's like Colorado, where they're trying to auction them off to different people. They literally already had a movie about They this. literally had another movie about it. They follow the same premise, and at the end of the movie, one of the characters decides that she's going to release all of these dinosaurs that could potentially die into the United States and hits a button. They all flood out, escape um, inevitable death, and then they start alluding to what the world's going to be like when dinosaurs roam free among humans. Which is why it's Fallen Kingdom, right? Yes, that is why it's called Fallen Kingdom, because a volcano is taking out um, the entire island that they're on, which is actually moderately canon based on the books, um, Mm -hmm. which after I graduated with a master's degree, I sat down and binged all 800 pages of Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park and Lost World in about a week and a half. That was pretty much all I did. It was great to read something not assigned to me. I don't remember if it was for three or for like a version of four that never got made. So a version of world. Uh, at one point, Steven Spielberg was planning for the next movie to be about human dinosaur hybrids. There's even like concept art and it's really bad. It's really creepy looking. (laughs) Uh, but anyway, sorry. You had actual info on Jurassic World, and we tangented. No, it's fine. Uh, two is Fallen Kingdom. Three is Dominion. Interesting. They're just Planet of the apes in <laughs> Jurassic Park. I'm okay with that. I'm not against it. <laughs> we get the dino Dr. Zaius. As long as it doesn't hit the Tim Burton version of Planet of the Apes, I'll be happy. We got super distracted on Planet of the Apes last week. <laughs> Apparently I should actually watch one of these movies sometime. I, I love the first Planet of the Apes. When we say that, do we mean like 1970s oh, first yeah. planet? Or like... Oh yeah, that, that <laughs> one was awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's so good. Mark Ruffalo has been in talks to appear in She-Hulk. Presumably as Hulk. That, that makes sense. It would be a bad choice, especially because it's... She-Hulk's Disney Plus, yeah? Yes. Why would you not use Mark Ruffalo for that? Like, uh, they can't use Hulk as a standalone anyway, because th- of the Universal has the individual mm-hmm. rights for it. Uh, in the late '90s, Marvel declared bankruptcy, and one of their ways of becoming a profitable company again was selling off the movie rights to fucking everything. And and now Disney has and to now deal they're with the aftermath for it. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, in 1997 or whatever, like, the Batman movies were bad but profitable. So they didn't really worry that much about, like, you know, no one ever thought there was going to be a $2 billion Avengers movie. That's true. So, <laughs> but yeah, now we have this world. It would be weird to not use Mark Ruffalo. Uh, and just use Hulk wherever they can since mm. they can't use him by himself. So. Yeah, and he seems to really enjoy the role, so... You actually sent me uh, this little bit of news. Marvel is going to be launching uh, Ultraman comic. Comic? Comic. Comic. With uh... Kyle Higgins, who did the latest couple runs on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. He's worked on Batman Beyond. Uh, His Batman Beyond run is real good. Uh, He did a Nightwing run for the New 52, the initial one, which was fine. And he did some uh, Batman work teamed up with Scott Snyder right before the New 52, and it was 
really good. It's probably my favorite of the Snyder work. It's the Black Mirror. Okay. I think that's... Um, and it was an interview with him that got me to read Gotham Central for the first time, so that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't tell if this is Ultraman in the Marvel Universe or if they're just publishing an Ultraman book. I think they're just publishing an Ultraman. I feel like it'd be even bigger news if it's like, Ultraman's now in... That is less interesting to me, sadly, because I would have loved because Conan is now in the Marvel Universe and they have like a, a Savage Avengers book where it's like Conan teaming up with the hardcore heroes for whatever reason. It does not interest me as a book. But if they had like Conan, Spider-Man, and Ultraman hanging out, I would read that every day of my life. That would be a really interesting <laughs> dynamic, because I feel like Conan would do things that Spider-Man's just not okay with. Um, they've met up bef- All the time. <laughs> <laughs> they've met up before. He's hung out with Red Sonia twice, because anytime they do a crossover, she takes over Mary Jane's body and fucking, like, Xena Warrior Princess it across Manhattan. That's awesome. With Spider-Man being like, no, 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 oh god. Uh, <laughs> please don't get my wife killed in a sword fight. <laughs> That's where muscle memory really has to come in handy. <laughs> uh, to go along with comic book news, uh, Tanahasi Coates is going to be stepping away from his Black Panther run, uh, although he will continue on Captain America. Yeah, it's uh, ending with like 25, which I think gives him like a 50-ish issue run all told, which is Ooh. not bad. Uh, I read the beginning of that run. I need to get caught up. I really I, liked how he was making uh, making him deal with the weighty choices of being king and um, populace not being happy. first three volumes, and then I fell off, and I keep meaning to get back. Um, if you like Jonathan Hickman, you would like this. They, they both tend to be really good idea guys whose character personalities can be a little stiff, but I've never... Uh, read a Ta-Nehisi Coates book and regretted it either. Mm-hmm. Principal photography on the Suicide Squad is done. But cool. we're still like a year out from the movie. There's yeah, going to be reshoots and people are going to freak out about it even oh though they've God. scheduled in time for those reshoots. Oh my God, they're reshooting. They're going to have to change everything. I think that's really important though. Uh, um, leaving time to fix stuff. Because I see a lot in media and especially in video games where they try and put out content as quickly as possible, and that creates some very problematic games. Um, no Man's Sky is one that comes to mind. Yeah, basically a lot of things can be fixed later or adjusted. That's one of the reasons why, and we'll probably talk about it a little bit later, Breath of the Wild by Legend of Zelda took absolutely forever to come out. They alluded to it, and I'm like, oh, cool, like I'll buy it. years before. Like... Yeah, it... About four years, and I bought a Wii U because I'm like, great, it's going to be on this console. Um, I'll just get it now while it's super cheap, and I get a remastered version of Wind Waker. And then it got pushed back, and I was like, okay, I understand. You want to work on it longer? Again, I understand. You want to work on it longer? And they're like, we're coming out with the Switch. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then they came out and like, actually, we're still making a version for the Wii U. And it's like, thank you so much. You absolutely let this console go. Didn't even market it, and then you just gave up on it and started working on the Switch immediately. Switch is a great system, though. I will stand by the Switch. I still think the Wii U is excellent, just unloved. I liked it. I, I borrowed it from you for the better part of a year oh, yeah. to play Breath of the Wild. but it, It's like the, the middle child who just feels <laughs> neglected. 
I miss my GameCube. Oh, man, I still got my GameCube. Let's, let's, I, uh, we'll play fucking whatever Smash that one was. Mm. Uh, oh, for some melee? Eternal? Yeah, it was Melee. God, I used to play... I, instead of going to class my freshman year of college, I just played Melee, which is probably why I didn't graduate college. But, uh, <laughs> you know, give me some Eternal Darkness, though. Uh, we have a Why the Last Man again. Again? Because the other one dropped out. I was going to say, isn't this like the fourth time? I think it's the second one. Anyway, dude, uh, this is our new why. I thought that was Orlando Bloom at first. No, dude's name is uh, Ben Schnetzer. He was in the Warcraft movie. Okay. that I'm not going to hold that against him. He looks like a Ben. And... He looks like a Schnetzer. Uh, that's what I got on that. Cool. That's... Um, <laughs> Why the Last Man is from Brian K. Vaughn. It is not my favorite Brian K. Vaughn, but the worst Brian K. Vaughn is still better than like 90% of other comics coming out. Uh, he also did Saga, which is amazing. Interesting. Yeah, that's a really good series that emotionally destroyed me. And then I spent way too long in the bunks of a Forest Service building in Darby just staring at the ceiling thinking about the last issue I read. You'd get a cell phone reception and send me a message being like, Bud. Bud. I'm like, what? He's like, I read Saga. I'm like, oh, okay, I get I know. Yep. Um, uh, Why the Last Man was the book that I think really put him on the map. Like, he'd been making stuff before that and was getting attention, but this is where he people were like, oh, we need to pay attention to this guy. Uh, it is about every woman on, no, every man on Earth dying except for one guy and his pet monkey. And it's not nearly as comedic as that description makes it sound. But, uh, and then it's just about, like, it's kind of about what happened, but mostly it's about, like, what happened next. And how the world got better, and how the world didn't get better, and oh my god, are we gonna die off as a species now? Ah, crap. <laughs> I need to read it one of It was days. good. Um, I read it once. I've never gone back to it, but I've thought about it a couple of times. As I said, it's not the happiest comic I've ever read. So it's not, I'm like, I'm feeling nice and sentimental. What am I going to, like, no. It's probably not going to be why. Mm. Uh, we have some Witcher casting news for season two. I've uh, still not seen season one. but The kidding. biggest bit is that, unfortunately, Mark Hamill will not be playing Vesemir as the entire internet wanted. They were in talks for a while about that, weren't they? Or was it just rumor? I think it was mostly just rumor, because he would have been an amazing Vesemir. But uh, Kim Bodnia will be playing Vesemir. Uh, I haven't watched any Killing Eve. That's what he's been on mostly lately. Uh, Kim Bodnia is also known for being in uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's uh, breakout movie, Pusher, uh, the first of his Pusher trilogy that he made back overseas. Uh, as the main star in that, and I have watched that, and he is incredible, so I'm super looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to murder this guy's name, but uh, <laughs> Christopher, Christopher Hivju, uh, best known as Tormund, Giant Spain. I heard he was going to be in here. Uh, I'm happy about that. <laughs> I think he could fit in very well in that series. Maybe as a dwarf? Uh, he's going to be Novellan. Novellan. I'm not going to go into it too much. I do know the story with Novellan, but it's going to be a lot of fun. He seems like one of those guys that's realized that he can make a living off of being a fun character actor in, like, cool Everything. stuff. 
<laughs> and seems happy with that. Like, there's some people who do it and they're like, ah, oh, crap, I'm stuck forever. And then others that are like, all right, I'll carry a big sword and look cool. Yeah, I mean, Let's that, do this. that's the dream, right? Someone hands <laughs> you a sword and pays you to run around with it. That's That sounds nice. Uh, and I unfortunately don't know any of these other people by name, although I looked up a few of them earlier and they've been in a lot of recent shit lately and I'm sure people are going to recognize them. Uh, but Yasenatur has been cast as Cohen, Agnes Bourne as Verena, Paul Bullion as Lambert, uh, Thu Ersted Rasmussen as Eskel, Aisha Fabian Ross as Lydia, and Misha... Simpson as Francesca. That's what I got from there. They're, I recognize none of those. They're, yeah. But the characters, they're really bringing in the story. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard it's what, around like book two that the story really starts mm-hmm. taking off as a dedicated story? So, uh, book three. Book the, three? The first two books are short stories, basically. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are just kind of like dark, uh, corrupted versions of familiar fairy tales. Okay. And they've kind of stayed away from most of those so far in the series. Uh, and then book three through eight, I think. Is there nine books total? I can't fucking remember. Three through seven, at least. Three through eight, I think, is like the story story. And then there's another book after that's short. Or no, that's a standalone story, but technically takes place before the main story. Okay. <laughs> this is like reading a Dune book. <laughs> Yeah, pretty close. Except um, with less acid. And even the short stories in those first two books jump around as much as the show did, just in a different order. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, what else do we got? <laughs> we have the first two official mos- Monster Hunter movie posters. You were looking yes. at these yesterday. Yes, I was. And I've been following this as close as possible. Um, a lot of people are commenting, because that's Milo... Milo J- Jovovich. Jovovich? Jovovich? He's the one to know here. Um, yes. Because um, I'm also pretty sure it's done by the same uh, people who did Resident Evil, if I am correct. Which is part of the reason why she's in there. Anyways, the poster they released actually switched the weapons that they were holding mm-hmm. in the original poster. Where now she is holding this giant greatsword. A lot of people have been commenting that it's smaller than the ones you see in the video game. It's and already like come her on. size. Yeah, it's it's like a five foot sword. Um, it's probably made of foam or something like that. Oh, you would not be able to lift that if it was made out of metal. Yeah, like that's. Um, but I'm I'm really excited for this. Whether it's good or not, I'm still going to see it in theaters because I'm hoping it'll be like Pacific Rim, where it's just going to be an excellent action flick. It looks like what we call guard porn. Yes, uh, very accurate. Where it's just really gorgeous fantasy design and it doesn't matter if the movie is good or not uh they had me at tony jean yeah Mm -hmm. yeah for the um the last from the last update i heard based on the loose premise it's supposed to be a bunch of soldiers from modern times sent back to some weird world where that i find kind of disappointing but sure i feel a little bit of the same but i think that's all supposed to give them cred for um like how strong and capable they are and how they have to adjust to this whole brand new world, which is the huge thing with Monster Hunter and Monster Hunter World, which this is based off of. I, I get it as a storytelling trope because it's a really easy way to uh, be able to have exposition into whatever world you've created, but it 
only works about half the time, I feel like. Like, there's a few movies that's like, so-and-so finds themselves in the Monster Hunter world, or whatever. And it, it sometimes it works, but a lot of times you're like, oh man, I would have just rather had a story about someone from this sweet-ass world. I, other times, Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo find themselves in the Mushroom Kingdom. Hey, I will defend that <laughs> my life. I feel like they're making it more complicated than they have to. All Super they have Mario to do forever. is throw in a couple characters... Enough to die off, which they'll probably definitely do, because the monsters are so cool, you want to see how terrifying they really are. And basically, the whole game's premised off of, you grab some excellent weapons, you upgrade your gear, and then you go take quests and go sent out, and just essentially explore the world of Monster Hunter. Slaughter. Oh yeah, it's... I'm, I'm not very, like... I'm not a hunter, I would say. But when it's like digital stuff that I know <laughs> is not actually destroying hunter. the ecosystem, oh yes, just big sword is best sword. And while it, it will be interesting to see how they make it look practical, I also hope that they keep it similar to the video game. Where if you're not familiar with it, with a great sword that probably weighs what looks like between 250 to 300 pounds, <laughs> um, it's these big slow movements where you load up, you strike. You load up, you strike, then you side roll, you strike again, then you side roll, because if you don't do that, you're gonna get hit, and then you're gonna get comboed, and then you're gonna die. I really love the big sword trope in anime or video games or whatever, when it's like you're using the momentum of the sword for the fight, so like you like do that big strike and then it like pulls you forward into a flip and into something else. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like Inuyasha where like I'm going to just, like, katana fight with this. <laughs> like, you're not. Yeah, that was that was the big thing in Monster Hunter 3 on the Wii, where I'm like, oh, I'll just choose the weapon that does the most damage. And I'm like, XXX, one strike. And it's like, what? what is this? And then I got hit. And it like, took me oh, a very no. long time to learn <laughs> that you wield it like the actual weapon. And it is a lot of body mechanics, which is really fun to play with. Do you think they include Palicos in the movie? My heart says I want to say yes. I don't think they will. They might be like side characters. But I mean, if they're designing the monsters with CGI, why can't they do a little furry cat who runs around and drops like traps and explosives everywhere? I don't know what's happening, but that's all I care about now. That's all? Just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't need the rest of the movie. I just need... That. I've been trying to train Tickle to do that, and it's not been working one bit. So Is that why he's missing part of his hair? <laughs> <laughs> There's been a couple times we could probably bring up the, the sadder side of news with different creator deaths and stuff. Oh and, god, there's been a ton of them lately. And we, we've kind of in the past avoided it, but with this episode being kind of video game themed and it happening this week, uh, I should thought I should bring up the passing of uh, Kazuhisa Hashimoto who was the producer and creator of the Konami Code. Oh, I saw something about this. I did hear about that. That's, uh, that's a bummer. Yeah, it's a legend. Yeah. It's sad to see you ran out of infinite lives. <laughs> uh, that's really bad. <laughs> Just... Right before this episode, we were talking about a band called Kirby Crackle, which is like a nerd pop rock band, and they actually have a song where the main repeat is... Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. Mm -hmm. Trying to unlock your heart. Uh, <laughs> and it's actually about a guy that's like, 
crushing on a girl at the comic book store and like asks her out and it goes really great and then it turns out she's a murderer and like locks him in the basement and murders him it's a weird song but it's really good and it's all i can think of any time that i think i've watched that movie yeah there must have been a puzzle he didn't solve otherwise he would have found the key that would have led him out the door of the dungeon that's exactly it maybe if he had tried the code maybe he tried the code they've announced what the next slate of star wars novels is going to be and so we're going to get at least five books and with more to come this is phase one uh, set in the high republic era which will canonically establish that era in a in a new way. It's about time. Yeah, uh, this is, if I remember, because I sent you this, this was, it's about 200 years before the prequels, which is an era that we've never really explored in Star Wars before. Because, like, even in the old expanded universe, we had, like, a thousand to five thousand years ago, and then, like, now, and then, like, a hundred years in the future. But that, that thousand year gap, they just didn't touch uh, Charles Sewell is one of the writers for it. He is a really consistent comic book writer. He wrote probably the best She-Hulk run I've ever read. Uh, he's a practicing lawyer. or I, I don't know if he's that. still a practicing lawyer, but he first gained credit for writing five comic book series on his lunch breaks. He was publishing five books while being an active lawyer. That's insane. Uh, he finished the new 52 run on Swamp Thing, and it was actually rather impressive. Yeah, uh, he did a really good Daredevil run. He did a good She-Hulk run. Um, he did, I want to say, the Lando Calrissian comic that came out when Marvel first got the Star Wars license back. Mm. Yeah, he's his name is enough that I'm like, oh, this is good. The Are they just doing novels, or are they doing comics, games, other... I think for now it's novels, but this is phase one. They've said that they already have phase two in development. This might just lay some groundwork for other things to be mm. built around it, is what I'm kind of thinking. It kind of makes me think of uh, Shadows of the Empire, mm-hmm. where they had one story told across three different systems, because there was the N64 game, there was a novel... And there was a comic book. Do you know how many hours I put in that N64 game? It's not a great game, but everyone played it at our age. Like, uh, Okay, it was a great game. It was just a clunky game. But that one was, as I said, the same story. And each one followed like different characters. Because they'd be like, alright, now we're going to split the party again. And then like the comic would follow Luke. And the book followed uh, uh, Leia and Dash Rendar, who was... The most 90s comic book creation of all time. Or Star Wars creation. His first name was Dash. Yeah. I loved him. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, it just makes me think of that. I'm glad to see... It's not necessarily a risky move, because people love, like, Star Wars past history. But I'm glad to see more of this kind of storytelling. Not Not as attached to the Skywalker saga. As much as I love the Skywalker saga. So... There are reports that Steven Spielberg might not be on Indiana Jones 5 anymore, which apparently they're still really wanting to go forward with doing Indiana Jones 5 while Harrison Ford's still alive. We're running out of time on that front, guys. He's like 70. I kind of feel like it's just milking the, I guess, the name at this point. I don't know. The the fourth one wasn't great. Uh, I think the term is nuke the fridge. Yeah, it's bad. Um... (laughs) Every other Indiana Jones movie tends to be good. 
Raiders was terrible. Or no, Raiders was great. Hidden Temple, Lost Temple, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Uh, was real bad. Or amazing, you know. It's real bad. <laughs> um, and then Last Crusade was fun, if nothing else, to watch Sean Connery be try to be like a professor. And then Crystal Skull was... The penitent man kneels before God. Um, I do want to clarify... So I haven't mentioned it, but my actual profession is archaeologist. Um, man. So Indiana Jones is impossible for you to watch. No, I wouldn't say that. You just have to watch it like Tomb Raider, where like this is just supposed to be pure entertainment. Indiana Jones, great movies. Uh, he's a terrible archaeologist. Just he's, absolutely the worst. He's kind of a horrible person, too. But this it... belongs in a museum. Like, no, they're alive. They're trying to kill you right now because you're <laughs> stealing their things. Like... <laughs> This isn't archaeology. This is literally just robbing people. Uh, I do love that Raiders of the Lost Ark would have come out exactly the same way, except less people would have died, if Indiana Jones had not been involved in any way, shape, or form. Like, that entire movie is Indiana Jones failing to stop a thing and then taking credit for it. Yeah, that, that's a pretty big plot hole right there. Um, but still a very love entertaining movie. movie. Oh, love yeah. that movie. Very but... classic as well. Indiana Jones is the most useless character in that entire movie. Oh yeah, it's a it's a really good metaphor for what Great Britain did to the entire world in terms of calling it archaeology. <laughs> uh, if you want to figure that out, just go watch those movies and you're like, oh yeah, this belongs to a museum. Like, no, it really doesn't. No, oh give, god, that's bad. <laughs> give it back. Just give all of it back. But yeah, they're still entertaining. I I only have one last thing for this week. Kind of end of an era. Who knows what's to come. Bob Iger has stepped down as CEO of Disney. I was thinking about this before because last week we talked about Dan Didio being fired from DC. And even though I didn't, even though I'm not the biggest Didio supporter, I thought like I didn't like that it happened. I didn't like how it happened. I don't give a fuck about Bob Iger. <laughs> like a lot of things that I really like have come out because he was like, yes, let's sure let's buy Marvel. Let's by Star Wars. This is great. Like, Disney has made some really good stuff because choices Bob Iger has made. But we kind of knew this was coming. That man made obscene amounts of money. And it kind of falls under, like... We've talked about it a bit before. I like a lot of the stuff Disney has done. I don't necessarily like Disney as a corporation a lot. And Bob Iger is responsible for both of those things. Mm -hmm. Not not solely. It's not Bob Iger's just all... But, like, yeah. It's... Big news, but I don't... Whatever. Good for him, I guess. Uh, and it is still kind of a weird... It's it's weird because it's weirdly sudden. Uh, we did know it was coming. He had planned to step down in 2021 anyway. And instead, he's now stepping down currently as CEO, but he's still going to be making... Oh, he's still keeping one of his other titles. Which one? Uh, he's still the executive chairman and will be directing the company's creative endeavors until that time that he was going to be stepping down anyway. Yeah, I remember him saying basically he didn't want to do the CEO stuff anymore. Mm. Like, which being a CEO does not sound fun to me, so that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, good for And he's kind of going out on top? Yeah. Like, what else could he do at this point? <laughs> he's probably the most powerful man in, like... Non-politics? Yeah. Or, or at least in, like, creative media stuff. Disney, Warner Brothers, all that. I can't think of a person that's probably more powerful than him. 
he was running the biggest corporation in the world, I think. Because Disney is just obscene. They have their hands in pretty much everything. Even Uh things you wouldn't realize they do. And a lot of that's thanks to Bob Iger. He was very much like, buy it, buy it. We got the money, buy it. (laughs) If it's technically not a monopoly. (laughs) And that's why I'm kind of like, whatever, Bob. Like, yeah, it would require going too much into politics for how I try not to go too much into politics on this show for me to really, like, go into that. Uh, His replacement has been overseeing more of the uh, amusement park side of things. Have they announced his replacement? I haven't seen that yet. I, I can't remember his first name. His last name is Chappick. Good luck, bud. So that's... He's been amusement park side. There's his last name. If you really want to know who he is, it shouldn't be hard to find it. Awesome. <laughs> uh, that's that's all I got from news. All right. Well, gentlemen, what media have you been ingesting this week? Anytime we ask this question, my brain goes blank. I'm like, what have I been? I, I ha- This one's easy for me this week because... Uh, I haven't given my, myself much time to do anything else mm-hmm. uh, other than finally get caught up on the John Wick movies. Excellent. I, I loved number one, and that was the only one I've seen for a long-ass time until this week when I binged out number two and just number three last night, and they are amazing. I have not seen them yet. They've, they're really high on my some days you need to fucking get to this. Two isn't as good as one, but three? I'm, I'm kind of still up in the air on. It might be... It might be right there for me. So That's really good to hear. I haven't seen three yet, but just they're excellent movies. Super tactical. The amount of training that Keanu Reeves did to perform the role he does. I forget what some something like a headshot for every like minute of screen time or something, yeah, it's something absolutely insane. ridiculous like that. Well that movie, the first one was made by stunt artists originally, wasn't it? Like it was kind of like put together by them or something? Something like that. Uh, I, I knew the story then. But it's, that would make so much sense. <laughs> we just heard it was directed by the stunt coordinator from the raid because I'm sure he didn't come in on the mic. <laughs> uh, Our buddy Steven's here too. I fuck. I love action movies anyway, and those have now catapulted way up there with like the raid and uh, the first two Ong Box. Not so much number three. <laughs> Uh, um, even my friends that don't like action movies have recommended this, so it's, as I said, it's real high on my list. But anytime I get to, like, it's time to watch something, I'm like, uh, uh, Star Trek. Well, and I might I only... I regretted that choice, though. So. <laughs> Good. I might have only recently gotten a number two and three, but even with number one, it took me a while. Because I was like, give, don't give me this bullshit. Keanu's a fucking action movie star. Again? How old is he again? <laughs> 20 yeah, years later? Whatever, I don't need to see this bullshit. And then, uh... I do need to see this bullshit. Yeah, my old roommate, Jesse, who we mentioned before on the show, him and his old roommate like are like, no, dude, you gotta come watch this. And <laughs> mind was blown. I was like, oh, this is what action can be now? Thank you, Keanu. And Thank the, you. <laughs> and the memes that come out of it are so fun. Oh, so good. Thanos finding out that he snapped away John Wick's dog. Mm-hmm. Um, the version where it's Scooby-Doo and Shaggy walking down the bridge. Just absolutely, just a lot of fun. They, the internet likes to play the way they do. <laughs> yeah, so that was me. Sean, what about yourself? I have been in the process of moving. That is part of the reason why this episode was put up um, as soon as it was. Um, so I haven't been doing a lot of media just because I've been dealing with a lot of stuff like that. Um, been playing a lot of Pokemon Go, of course. Uh, that's just my default setting. 
I barely think even when I'm tossing curveball excellence at this point. It's just second nature. He once told me, if you can't throw a curveball excellent every throw, why are you even trying? That was, was like, jo- that makes me not want to play this game anymore. That, that was joking. <laughs> and you, had, you said that more than once. You had many times commented on the fact that I'd just flick it while maintaining full conversation walking down the street. Be and like, I caught it. I'm like, you weren't even looking at your phone. <laughs> Whenever I flick it when I'm maintaining full conversation down the street, the I get picked up get by the cops. <laughs> Um, other things, I've been playing some Monster Hunter, of course, um, after coming back from travel, it was good hooking up with all of my other, um, online friends from across the country, um, just running four person groups, taking on the biggest and baddest of everything. Uh, and then I've done quite a lot of prep work for this. I just had to re-up on my knowledge of Legend of Zelda. I could have bullshitted my way through this episode. That's my plan. But I decided I wanted to actually get some facts down, so I took notes. I took notes. And then uh, this morning, when I had some open time, I sat down and busted out the Nemour Temple, which is the giant camel, if you're unfamiliar in it, from Breath of the Wild. Because I just really wanted to listen to the game. Which will be something we get into more about why sound is so important in Legend of Zelda. (laughs) Um, sorry. Let's see. I read the, or I listened to, let's be honest, I don't read many books anymore. I read a lot of comics still, but audiobooks are the way to go. Uh, The Folklore of Discworld by Terry Pratchett and Jacqueline Simpson. It is basically about the different bits of folklore in Discworld, but it talks almost, it's like an even split between like, here's how giants or trolls or whatever work in Discworld, but also the legends that they stole from in, uh, but like the real earth legends that he stole from for his books, but it's written in a way that it's talking about it as like they're two separate dimensions that like feed off of each other. And so they'll talk about like, this is how it is on the Discworld, but over on the round world, this is a legend based off like Scottish folklore. Okay. Um, it is not the most exciting thing I've ever read, but as someone who enjoys folklore, it will, and who really, really loves the Discworld, it was an enjoyable way to pass the time while doing other stuff. Uh, and then I've been playing, I restarted Link's Awakening. Not restarted, but dived back into Link's Awakening after watching you play it, actually. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I haven't played that game since I had an emulator on my phone, like, way, way back. Super fun, super enjoyed it. Also played um, Oracle of Sages and Seasons during that time, just because it was a nice thing to do between class. Link's Awakening is probably the reason why there's a Switch in my house. It is my fiance Cece's favorite game of all time. I've watched her speedrun it, like the original one, and like the birthday after I sent her a link to the fact that Link's Awakening was getting a remake, she bought me a Switch for my birthday. <laughs> like, so, like, I am pretty sure those are directly correlated. Nice. That explains why she gives me this look every time I get lost and have no idea where to go next. Yeah, she played that game, like, for, like, 15 years. Yeah. Like, pretty regularly. I don't know if I can say that about any game. I, no. No. I, I have games. I could say, like, the Legend of Zelda franchise as, franchise as a whole, but... I, I had a pattern where I'd come back to Twilight Princess about once a year. Because it, it's 
personally my favorite game. I have a, Of course you love Edgelord Zelda. Of course I do. Actually, <laughs> there is a way more edgy version of Link in the original, like, origin story Link comic. All right. Um, let's but, take... Re- Let's take a quick break, and then we will. You can jump learn in to us talk on some about Link. Legend yes. of Zelda. Oh yeah! Woo! All right, so the little boy in the green tunic Zelda, right? <laughs> <laughs> I had an intro, and yours is so good job. You're a bad person. How? What? How are we going to talk about this? Uh, yeah, we've, we've never reviewed a video game before. Uh, in theory, we are reviewing Ocarina of Time here, but like. When we talked about Star Trek or Doctor Who or anything, we'll probably just use this as a, a foundation to talk about everything. Yeah. Uh, first things first, what were your first experiences with Zelda? What's your relationship with the franchise? Let's see. I mean, been gaming since I was super young, so I would have played from the get-go, like, old school on the NES and Game Boy, the early releases, 1, 2, all that good shit. It was never my my big thing at that point, though. Like, I'd kind of rather throw in, like, some kid clown, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so, but then uh, Ocarina of Time came out, and it not only is one of the greatest games of all time, but at, during that time period, you weren't using... A Nintendo 64 properly, unless that was one of the games that you owned. Oh yeah, every, <laughs> everyone had Ocarina of Time when I was a kid. It's still very much in demand nowadays, and it's way more expensive than you think a game. I, I don't want to say that clunky, but it is that clunky. Uh, should be. Um, still an amazing game. And... Past that has been really spotty. I played a, a little bit of Majora's Mask... I played... A, Wind Waker was the one that took me out of it. I was not a fan of Zelda. See, I'll list that as one of my top Zelda games, but I, I, it's a super divisive one. I can't stand looking at that art style for as long as it takes <laughs> to play that game. That's really funny, because I know a lot of people who that's one of their favorite things about it. But yeah. each person... I, I, I have believed the game is probably fantastic, but I can't make myself do it yeah. for that long. Cece can't play it. She can't judge distance in it with the cell shading, and so sailing is just utterly infuriating for her. That was one of the big struggles with the game. Like, I gotta sail across the map. Alright. And then you, like, fall asleep sailing, and then you find yourself <laughs> bouncing across the edge of the world. If like, you go from corner to corner, it takes, like, 20 minutes to get yeah. across. It is a big game, especially for the GameCube. And you gotta dodge stuff, and yeah. Uh, I did play like 10 minutes of Twilight Princess. I really wish I would have played more because it kind of seemed a little bit dope, but it wasn't one I ever owned or anything, so. Yeah. And then even the new, like the even newer releases and shit, like I wasn't really there. There was one time, I do remember, I have a really fond memory though of uh, me and one of my ex-girlfriends. Uh, she was bigger into it than I was. And at one point we sat down and I can't remember which games it was in between, but we tried to figure out and it was before the official came out, we tried to figure out the, the chronology. Oh, God, that was a long-running thing before the Hyrule Historia came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's still a little confusing with new additions, um, but hopefully I will clarify that later. Um, my introduction into it was quite a bit with the fact that Link was my favorite character in Smash Bros. Melee. Um, he was just Dude, super fun. Link. No, I liked older Young Link. Link. I liked, Sorry. 
He had fire arrows, but I just didn't need that. There was that, um, I had the Game Boy in Link to the Past, which I don't know how I ended up with it, but I just remember putting in so many hours just wandering this world, and there were so many puzzles and things you had to do, all the dungeons, and that was absolutely mind-blowing. I'd never experienced anything like that. Uh, my prior experience were Pokemon games, which is you run around the world and get randomly attacked by stuff, and then you go into essentially a cutscene where you decide what to do. And then when I got a Wii, it became Twilight Princess, which totally fit my teenage angsty motif <laughs> about this dark game um, surrounded by Twilight, where you get to turn into a wolf and just explore this wide cast of beautiful characters accompanied by beautiful music and I got to hold a Wiimote while doing it which essentially meant I was standing in my living room and sword fighting <laughs> super great I had so fun aiming uh, aiming the Wiimote and the nunchuck like I'm actually firing a bow uh, that's why I learned me and bows work very well together in video games um, See, I had Twilight Princess for the GameCube. Mm. And they that was a mirror image, which is why people on the GameCube struggle with the Wii version, too. Yep, because the Wii did not allow you to play left-handed. Wii was set up so you could only play video games right-handed, which is part of the reason why I never liked Wii games, because I am so left-handed. <laughs> so left-handed, guys. Uh, and Link has always historically been left-handed, because right. the creator of the game, or uh, creator of Link was left-handed and was like, I want to be represented. I didn't notice that till Soul Calibur 2. Uh, and, like, we, we, we've <laughs> talked about representation before on the show, and this is, like, the least important representation you can get. <laughs> As a left-handed person, the fact that I am left-handed does not matter in any way, shape, or form. But it was still really cool to have that, like, hey, I'm like that. Which is kind of my argument for that's how important representation actually is. Imagine if we're talking about something that, like, it actually matters. It's really funny in uh, Belagarth, our medieval combat group where we met, he will make a shield and be like, here, I made this shield so you can use it and then hands it to me. And it's Kokiri shield. So it's made, it looks, it's made to look like wood. It's got the symbol on it and it's a left-handed shield. Yeah, I have where... straight up made the Deku shield twice for that from Ocarina of Time. <laughs> it looks great. I get killed a lot with it because there's a big cutout right where my shoulder would be. I was so pissed. I made the first one. It is made for left-handed because the way that the gap is, it leaves your shoulder super open if you mm. use it on the other arm. And you loved it. And then I was like, but you couldn't fight with it because you're very right-handed. And I was like, for Christmas, I'm going to make him a Deku shield that's right-handed. And I like eternally was like checking it against it, being like okay, you need to put the handle on this side. You need to put the handle on this side. I applied all of the, like, fancy crafting stuff on the wrong side. Just made, like, myself this really beautiful shield <laughs> on accident. And I'm not, like, sad about that, but not what I was trying to do. So it's, it's really cool. And actually one of the big topics I wanted to bring about why Legend of Zelda is such a big deal to certain people is being able to actually identify with the main character. And I've seen this across everything. Link is this character that anyone can look upon, see themselves, and act out. Um, I've seen this from uh, LGBTQ people. Um, I've seen this from women, where I typically wouldn't think that women would be like, yeah, I identify with Link. 
But when you have a character that runs around and his only noise is ha ya it's fine. He doesn't speak. You make all the choices and it's all text. And it's really cool seeing people get so into this by identifying with it. That was kind of on purpose, wasn't it? Because Yes. Real quick, who created Legend of Zelda? Do you you have that name on Shigeru us? Miyamoto. Because Miyamoto was very specific of like he wanted it linked to be a point of view character. And even at one point the the voice actor for Mario was like, Can I voice act Link too? And he's like, Nope, you sure can't. I, uh, I found out, actually, that there apparently is a first-person shooting ver- like mode in Ocarina of Time, which I don't know how to access. I found that out last night um, while doing some research. but Like to there- shoot the bow? Yeah. I think oh, I've yeah. done that, but I haven't played in there, forever. There is a great quote by Miyamoto, though, that I wrote down last night when I found it. And it says that the name Link came from his role as a connector. Link is you the player. And that's essentially why he named him Link. The first Legend of Zelda game actually was the only game where you could name your character, which was huge, crucial. That basically meant you could run around. Wait, that's not true. I've named my character in Ocarina. No, they still call you Link all the time, don't they? Uh, I'm talking about like the first Legend of Zelda. The Oh, like the Legend of Zelda was the first time you could do that. In a... mm-hmm. Okay, I'm yes. sorry. I read that the other way of like, only in the first one can you do that. I'm like, but, yeah. but I, I did, did that yesterday. So you'll always play as Mario, named Mario. Okay, yes, um, now I understand. And that allows you to run around with a Link named Hero Guy. So when people <laughs> are like, don't worry, Hero Guy will come save us. Absolutely my kind of kicks. I love doing that. And that's, that's really cool when you can identify with the character you're playing. It's not just following the boundaries set before you. We tend to do, because uh, CC and I will play through them together the first time we get one. Zakalia, but all in caps, so they'll go, Zakalia! <laughs> do this thing! As for Ocarina of Time, this was this was an N64 like start game. It was one of their like launch games, right? I'm actually not sure about that. Um... I know it was really early. I, was... uh, I don't believe it was launch. It was pretty early. It was released uh, in North America, however, on November 23rd, 1998. If you pre-ordered it, that's when you got the uh, that is gold old. cartridge. That is old. Or I had a friend with was. a gold cartridge. Um, I was never more jealous in my life. <laughs> I'm still jealous when I see those. I'm like, ooh, shiny. This was like one of the first 3D platformers, though, right? Like, yeah. It was it, this in Mario 64. It was technologically revolutionary. Um, for that reason. Uh, it was also interesting because you couldn't hit a button to jump, which had actually been in a couple of the earlier games, but now you're, you basically had to deal with the fact that when you run at an edge, it'll auto-jump, which is a very interesting play style that I don't think really gets any flack nowadays. That's just how it is. And it was only up until recently where they added in jumping. Yeah, um, it was Breath of the Wild, I think. I think so, yeah. At least unassisted by a feather, such as in Link's Awakening. Um, another big thing why I think Legend of Zelda is so important is the story. And Ocarina of Time is such a good example of that. You have this wide, expansive story in kind of an open-world setting where you can go where you want to, when you want to. Um, especially towards the end of the game where you're just completing a lot of things in the overworld. Trying to collect... Um, all of the beans so you can plant them places so that they can benefit you seven years in the future. Um, the fact that they actually integrated time traveling 
and it didn't make everything suck. <laughs> yeah, I remember it being really, really cool the first time I saw that you could go like go back in the past, plant a thing, and be like, go back to the future, and the world would have changed. Like I, I don't. There's not many other games that have that mechanic, and there's not many that have done it as well as Ocarina did. It was really hard to get Epona going the 88 miles per hour to go back to the future, though. Oh, yeah. Epona was a terrible horse. Well played, sir. Well played. Um, Oh, man. Originally, Twilight Princess was supposed to be uh, cel-shaded like Wind Waker, mm. but one of the reasons they decided against it was they tried to put that version of Link on a horse, and it just looked super dumb. Like, it didn't work at all with his little spindly, cel-shaded, cartoony legs. And they're like, okay, we have to I'm go imagining back to that style. right now, like, it's hilarious. I would have played the shit out of that. I mean... Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I think one of the things that people love, too, is the fact that you have this crucial mission. Save the princess. And all of you know where I'm going with this. What are you going to do next? I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to... Go do this for like Time two and a half hours. Some yeah. frogs. I gotta go get that loach. Exactly. <laughs> Trying to get that mysterious Hillian loach that I believe only comes out in the rain. And <laughs> just don't do it with the the cheating dude will call you out. Oh, there, there's <laughs> there's so many cheats for all those games. People have played them to. Yeah, but they punish yeah. you if they catch you cheating. Like. Link's Awakening, if you try to rob the store, they'll shoot lasers at you. Like, if you're mean to chickens. Well, there's that kind of cheating, and then there's the other kind of cheating, in which Ocarina of the Time is a ridiculously glitchy game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if so, I jump backwards, like, I don't know, like, 17 times, I can immediately get to Ganon. Here we go. So What? It's, I saw some weird thing where they basically just backflip through walls. So here's the thing I do keep up with. I might not keep super up with all the uh, Zelda stuff. I actually keep up with a lot of the different Zelda uh, Ocarina of Time speedrunning. Because there's a super deep speedrunning community for Ocarina of Time. I don't know how to do any of it. How fast can you go? That's a big game to speedrun. It depends on uh, the category you're talking. Fair enough. Uh, Any percent... I believe is currently down to like seven minutes fifty one seconds. What? Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, that was the funny thing about Breath of the Wild when it came out, was that they built a world that was designed where if you wanted to be the crazy person to speedrun, go for it. You want to charge Ganon in your underwear? Yeah, you just got to dodge a I've bunch. Got a of... buddy that does that. He does it with a pot lid and a stick, and he yeah. beats Ganon. You got to dodge a bunch of. Um, like killer robots and fight your way through the Hillian field, go into this corrupted castle. But yeah, you can speed run it, and the game doesn't even try and say no. They're just like, yeah, we know you're going to do this. Here, have fun. <laughs> 100%, but not glitchless, is down to uh, 3 hours 51 minutes. Uh, I actually watched the first two hours of that uh, earlier. It's really interesting to watch the optimal version of playing the game, when you're not constrained by not exploiting glitches because you end up doing things like uh, getting the Lens of Truth 12 minutes into the game. Jesus Christ. Wow. That is... <clears throat> and I thought I played a lot. Dude, the, the speedrunners are crazy. Um, I can kind of explain a little bit of what they do, but it's... I'm, I'm kind of torn between, like, super impressed and what I love about Zelda is, like, the size and interesting things about this world and being like 
oh god, you're missing the point so hard. I wonder about that, because I've done probably about 12 runs of Twilight Princess. Uh, it's just a game I come back to every year because it's so beautiful. When it ends, I feel one manly tear roll down my face, <laughs> and I just think, that was wonderful. I'm going to wait, and then I'm going to start it again, because I wanted to start it again, but really don't overplay the things you love. That being, I've gone to about 18 hours to beat the entire game. My first run was 60, and I remember that because I always saved that file right at the top of the mm. three-file list. But sub eight minutes? That's Like I said, that's not that's using a yeah. giant glitch. Still, what, less than four hours to beat all of Ocarina of Time 100%. Is that including, like, all of the the beans and stuff like that? That's uh, getting 100% of the items you can get, accomplishing 100% of the things you can do, just maybe not necessarily the ways you would normally do it. No, of course, yeah. In college, I was hanging out with a friend one day, and, uh, like, roommate, nothing was going on at the house, and I just walked up to him at one point and went, hey, we have a full bottle of bad vodka. Uh, do you want to go see if we can beat Ocarina of Time tonight? And he looked at me and he goes, Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we spent, I believe, six to eight hours, and we got to the water temple, and it was like two in the morning, and we drank an entire bottle of vodka, and we're like, no. <laughs> we're done for tonight. And we got through the whole game, but not in one night. That's uh, probably for the better. <laughs> if you ever should end up going and watching the sub-eight-minute run, what you are to expect is a lot of backwards uh, running and jumping, uh, getting kind of into the Great Deku Tree a little bit, doing a lot of really weird actions, and then sort of sidling up against one of the walls for a bit, and warping into the end credits. Huh. Uh, a quick version is basically they make the game... They make the game delete them holding a rock without the actual character in the game realizing it's not holding a rock. And then they do a certain set of actions so that all the memory switches going on behind the scenes are sure to load a certain piece of information next when they resolve this action that has been started. And they force the game, oh god, to load a certain section, a certain set of numbers that then check for their character name, which they have named part of one of the files to load one of the cutscenes uh the cutscene wouldn't actually be the next one in sequence when the game voids out when they go into the wall but it points to a cutscene that does have that header information that ends up putting them into the end credits as you can how did you find out about that Sorry. as you can hear the ocarina fandom is super real I think I got that right. I need a nap just hearing that. <laughs> Jesus. I think I got that right. This really, really complicated shit that I don't actually know how to do myself. <laughs> okay. So on the same world of Legend of yeah. Zelda. Which I just, is, I needed to get that out. That's my information that's to bring. That is, I am horrified and fascinated at the same time. I learned something today. <laughs> Good. Your day's not been wasted. Uh, but for the same version of Legend of Zelda, which is saying something, because that game is all of this, this entire world is just fuck nuts bonkers. How would you introduce Ocarina of Time? How would you sum up that plot in, like, a paragraph? Fairy boy saves the world from an evil wizard with the help of three other fairies. 
and another fairy. Four fairies. You're not wrong. Um, I would say you wander through a world completing dungeons through two different timelines until the game says good job and you save the princess. That's also very accurate. Fairy boy gets dosed in his sleep, talks with trees, and travels through time? That's also not wrong. Uh, it's, that's an interesting thing, though. It's I guess I've never thought about it that way, but summarizing up Ocarina of Time in one sentence without trying to sound funny would be very interesting because in a way it's actually a pretty daunting game. Someone once described Zelda to me as Japanese people trying to, or Japanese culture trying to tell European folklore. I see that in a way um, because the main character is typically blonde. He's pink haired in one of the Link to the Past. Well, and a lot of the world is pretty kind of coded European like mm -hmm. the old school kind of castles and the armor styles there's mm -hmm. not like th there's definite Japanese aesthetic and stuff but you're not seeing a ton of samurai you're generally seeing knights very much so and um I was wondering this last night um whether it's kind of a crusader influence because in a few of the games the bad people are Middle Eastern oh yeah and that's that's an interesting concept that I don't know what they were going for. I really love the Gerudo, but yeah, there's yeah. some kind of... Uh... Gerudo Valley theme's a fucking banger. Oh, 100%, but that's also like Spanish-style music. Yeah. Super fun to play on the guitar. <laughs> don't worry, I totally don't know how to play Legend of Zelda on like three or four different instruments. It's... How about that? The music and sound has always been such a important... Sorry, guys, we are just ping-ponging today. Well, it's, but... a, it's especially important with Ocarina of Time, because Ocarina is in the title. It's yeah. a musical instrument. Music is such a major influence on all of Zelda, but Ocarina more than anything else. Even, even in the very beginning, the first game, they had eight notes to work with. I believe that's what makes an 8-bit song. Um, they did it with Mario, and they had to do it with Legend of Zelda, so they created the overworld theme which is by far one of the most iconic things. You is that the like, do-do-do-do-do-do? Okay, yeah. Um, no, that's that's actually the Lost Woods theme. Oh, okay. The do-do-do-do-do. Okay, cool, yep. And that is one of the most iconic songs. You hear it, actually you hear all of the Legend of Zelda songs all across like media. You hear it in hip-hop, you hear it in... Um, I haven't found any in R&B, but that's probably because I'm not looking that hard right there but like we electronic should. as well. Um, we were just listening to an artist named uh, Aphyxia, I believe, mm -hmm. who does a dubstep version of four of the songs, uh, The Song of Storms, um, Lost Woods, Lost Woods, Gerudo Valley, and, oh, there's uh, one. Eponas? I think it might be the Fairy Fountain. Uh, I can't remember. No, I, I'm not sure. I, uh, I don't know the last one, but I remember, because I'm like, you know what? This person worked hard. I'm going to support them. And I, I bought it. And I got the nerdiest, but also <laughs> my favorite rap over the songs he had made. Because he was just like, well, thank you for supporting me. Here's like three versions where I rap over Gruta Valley, The Song of Storms. <laughs> and um, yeah, one of the others I mentioned. And it's just, it, it's influenced people so much. The music you hear, the fact that you can pick up a guitar and figure out how to play the songs. Like if you play the Lost... Um, woods theme backwards you get the song of healing from Majora's Mask oh shit yeah yeah when I tabbed that on the guitar I was like wait I know this song 
It's a do 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 Yeah. Um and it just it's so iconic. Even different characters have their own themes. Bosses have their own themes. You walk into a place and you're just accompanied by this beautiful music that's so iconic. And I think yeah, it's it's probably one of the best things in my opinion about the entire series because when you hear Legend of Zelda song, you know it. You know, I haven't played Ocarina in probably four or five years, and if I picked it up, the first thing I would do would probably be to start to fuck around with the Ocarina and see what songs I could, like, figure out, and Zelda's Lullaby is, like, this, what, left, up, right? Left, right, up? Yes. Might be confusing that with Wind Waker. Did you guys ever fuck around with doing, like, real songs on the Ocarina? No. Because you could pitch it, you could oh, make yeah. it slightly sharp, slightly flat, so you could play around with a little bit. I am bit. anything, Actually, I am not a musician. I got the Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Park theme on that one. <laughs> um, I've, I also used to be able to do the Simpsons theme. Really? Yeah. I just never tried that. Uh, yeah. It's been a while. I guarantee you I can't do it now. But the, That was the thing on the, the secondary runs. I would run into the game, get the ocarina, and be like, okay, so I know all the patterns. Might as well try and play the songs right now and mm-hmm. see if it does anything. It doesn't. But it's still fun. Yeah, and it's just, I think it's its such a cool thing. And they even throw it in the storytelling where they got the instance where you travel in the future and you find a guy who's angry about some kid seven years ago who had this ocarina and like absolutely wrecked his windmill with this song. And so you learn the song and then you go back in time and absolutely wreck his windmill with the same song, literally closing in the, the circle in the timeline. And I think that's cool because they didn't need to do that, but they also added music into the story as well. So as far as like all of the legend of Zelda timeline can like their, the entire timeline is concerned. This one's also kind of a big, important one, right? Cause Very this is where so. you get the split. I call we this keep talking about time travel yeah. and that leads to a lot of repercussions throughout the series. I call this the great divide. As I mentioned earlier, they made time travel great. But also, it made it so confusing trying to figure out where the games came from, especially before it was published in the Hyrule Historia. Um, no with the actual, never good at buying that book. That book is amazing. Yeah, with the actual timeline on page sixty-nine. Hey. Yay! <laughs> um, okay, so nice. <laughs> question here, though. Actually, I was thinking about this. Do you prefer knowing an official timeline, or did you prefer it before, where it was just like, they kept making new stories about Link, and you're like, is it the same Link? They're like, don't worry about it. Well, there was always talk, and especially if you played Link to the Past to begin with, they always talk about how a hero arises when he's needed in the world. Yeah, so, but like an actual chronology up until Hyrule Storia mm-hmm. was pretty much only fan done. Like, oh, definitely. And there was so many theories of like, what does it mean? And it really, even back then, they still always came down to Ocarina of Time for the three different timeline splits. Um, should I get into the history? Let's, uh, maybe we should talk really quick. I mean, at this point, the game's been out since 98. I'm not worried about giving spoilers yeah, we're gonna for the plot. Spoil this. I was, <laughs> let's I was spoil, 10 when this game came out. Let's spoil an overview of the plot real quick so that the time travel makes sense. But, because I haven't been super caught up, I'm actually really interested to hear all of that. So Yeah. Uh, I do want to say real quick, just based on my own question there before, I really love the timeline because, you know, I'm a Star Wars, Star Trek nerd. I fucking love 
any little detail of connections. But part of me loved it before where they didn't have a defined timeline and it kind of fit like Greek legend Hercules where they tell a story about a thing happening and you're like, wait, when does that... But how does that work with the previous story that happened? They're like, shut up. I, I always <laughs> wondered that and that's why certain games like Skyward Sword were so cool when they came out. And Skyward Sword got a lot of flack uh, because you needed a different connector piece on the Wiimote. And it, it made it so that when you slash diagonally from the top right to the bottom left the character would do that. When you twist your, your wrist and move the sword in a rotation, the character follows you on the screen, which is super cool. It's kind of clunky. It is a little clunky, but that also meant that if the enemy holds its sword above its head and it's electrified and you strike at the wrong angle, you're going to electrocute yourself <laughs> and lose a heart or two. And it was just, it was frustrating at times, but that story was so beautiful and really established what would become the universe. It was the origin story before they published the true first link. Okay. But we were saying Ocarina of Time... Plot. Not, yeah, Ocarina. Story. Story. Um, what do we got? Link, link wakes a, up. He's a Kokiri boy. Yep. All the, he's, all the Kokiri... He's actually not Kokiri. I know, but, but at the beginning the you think he's Kokiri. Mm-hmm. Little fairy boy. All of them have little fairy companions. He's the one without. It starts with he gets his fairy companion and is sent out on this great adventure to save the Princess Elba. Ganondorf is the big evil. Please jump in if I'm missing anything. Yeah. In this. Ganondorf is the big evil guy who is manipulating, honestly, Zelda. In it's... a lot of cases, Zelda and Link. And then also the king to try and take over the world. As the, you do. the biggest thing that Ganondorf wants in all the versions is to get into this sacred realm. The passage is in the Temple of Time, and he needs the three stones to do that. And to get into the sacred realm is the only way he's going to get the Triforce. Yes, and the Triforce grants any desires to those who hold all three pieces and are strong enough to wield them. That is why the Triforce is so split across... Um, all of Hyrule, because they typically don't want it in one place. That creates war, strife. Humans are always looking for more power than they need. It's your deus ex machina device. And, <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. You don't want that one place. Uh, Wouldn't it suck if you managed to actually gather all the pieces of the Triforce and grab onto them, and it turns out you weren't powerful enough to... <laughs> you weren't strong enough to... Yeah. Go ahead. I think the big thing is that if you were able to gather the Triforce pieces, you're probably strong enough. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> set. Uh, apparently there's this running fan theory because the Triforce being the three triangles stacked on top of each other, there's that empty space in the middle. And some people are like, there's a fourth piece of the Triforce. <laughs> and they're like, no. That wouldn't be a Triforce. It's called the Triforce, guys. Basic bits of the Triforce's representations. It's uh, courage, wisdom, and power. Yep. And it generally tends to translate to courage being Link, you, savior of Hyrule, wisdom, Zelda, the princess, awesome and Goddess amazing. of Hylia reincarnated. And then power, power, being Ganondorf, the baddest motherfucker. He's yep. always the baddest. Like, I mm -hmm. love Ganondorf Completely, so much. Uh, and he is also reincarnated. Actually, he's not as much reincarnated as much as he keeps getting sealed away. And then keeps coming back. He was originally the, the day. god of evil demise or something yep. like that. In Skyward Sword, he was called Demise. Mm. He was super cool. You had to kill him with the Master Sword imbued with lightning. 
that you do a flip through the air, electrocute your sword, and then stab it into his chest. It was so satisfying. Skyward Sword was fun because it was, you know, the, you meet basically the first Zelda. Not actually the first Link, but basically the first Link. It, you see where Ganondorf and the whole regeneration thing really starts coming from. And it's so weird to have all of that now, because, yeah. yeah. But getting back to the plot of Ocarina of right. Time. This is why we're here. <laughs> once you open up the Temple of Time, you actually open up to the Sacred Realm. You pretty much unseal everything by picking up the Master Sword, which is a common motif. Honestly, things would be better if you just left the sword in its place. But Breath of the Wild's like the only one where that doesn't go terribly for people. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, I think there's some allusions to that. Anyways, because Link is not strong enough to wield the Master Sword, he goes into a slumber for seven years, wakes up with the place in total chaos, and essentially has to go through this mission of saving everything, going to all the temples, and then eventually defeating Ganon. Which, it is that decisive battle that creates the Great Divide, that creates three different timelines with some of the most fun games following, <laughs> scattered all over the place. There's some games that are absolutely amazing. There's some games that are decent. But it's with in this final moment, and that is based on whether Link is victorious or he dies. And not just that, at the end of Ocarina, you get sent back in time to prevent the whole thing from ever happening. Yes. Which creates different timelines. There's like... Mm -hmm. You have Sorry, you have one timeline where the hero is defeated. And in order, this... Called the decline of Hyrule and the last hero, it goes A Link to the Past, which deals with the resurrection of Ganon. Then you have Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons. You got Link's Awakening. Um, and then the original Legend of Zelda, followed by the Adventures of Link. When you get to the storyline where the hero is triumphant, there's the version where he's a child and he actually goes, yeah, he goes back to the past, which you see. And stops he, Ganon from ever taking over. He warns Zelda and they take care of Ganon, make sure he never rises to power. And Link goes on his own merry way, <laughs> trying to find Navi, who leaves him at the end of the story. And that's where he ends up at Termina, and then has to solve the crisis of Skull Kid bringing down the moon on this town within three days. The longest three days you will ever experience. <laughs> but this that is, is mask. that is by far my number two favorite game, and it has been for years. From a world, and like, it's a clunky as shit game, but from like a world building and storyline game, I might put that as my favorite game of all time. It's such a beautiful device, even if you're like, no, Goron, please stop sucking so bad. And I played it on a computer emulator, which made it way clunkier. <laughs> and I still love it so I mean, much. Yeah, I was on a GameCube part is where I finally played oh, yeah. it, and it mm. did not port well, <laughs> and I still did not care. Um, and then following that, you deal with the fact that, meanwhile, while Link's doing his own thing, they try and execute Ganon. The seven sages come together, and they stab him with a sword through the chest. Well, Ganon still has a Triforce of Power, and he says, nah, <laughs> nah I'm nah. not going to die, and ends up killing one of the sages. Oh, shit. They panic. They use a mirror to banish him to the Twilight Realm. To the Shadow Realm. Yes. Full-on Yu-Gi-Oh's. <laughs> and so oh, that... that would have been the right era, too. Actually, that's pretty close. Um, 
I will not get into my Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> love card game show. I enjoyed oh, that all. That show was so um, fucked up. But anyways, in Twilight Princess, you deal with the aftermath of sending of these sages sending Ganondorf to the Twilight Realm, where he then corrupts everything, puts in a super king named Zant in power, and then you have to deal with the aftermath while trying to help the Twilight Princess regain power. I think one of my favorite things about that is the fact that you go in like, oh, Twilight Princess, it's Zelda. It's not Zelda. Actually, it's like this little conniving character who tricks you through half the game, and because you're Link, you're just like, what well, yeah, I'll go for it. I mean, Zelda's in that one, but she kind of a cold bitch in that, in yeah. that one. Yeah, and that was, that was also another thing I liked, is because there's a popular motif that Link and Zelda will always end up together in a romantic way. And this was the one where, when people say that, like, no. Him and the sweetheart from his hometown, who's the mayor's daughter, they're meant to be with each other. And I think that adds um, a diversity, where it's not the same plot thrown all the time. And that why they may be joined through souls, it's not like a, always a romantic situation. Granted, typically I ship Zelda and Link super hard. Oh yeah, it's just that one she's like, I appreciate yeah. you, you can go now. And then, <laughs> just to throw it at the end of the the child era where he uh, goes back in time. This creates, a, this creates a timeline with yep. no Link in it. This is the <laughs> second timeline. Uh, they have the Four Swords Adventure, which I believe was the newer Four Swords game. And that basically ends what they have there. The adult timeline oh, is sorry. very interesting. That's it's, what I was... I was jumping ahead of myself there. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting where it's the timeline where Link goes back to the past and what the future has to deal with. Because Ganondorf arises after... And there's no hero to save them. Because maybe Link went missing in, after Majora's Mask or something. But seven years in the future, there is no Link. And so they panic. The King of Hyrule has no idea what to do. So he basically throws his hands up and says, Helia, take the wheel. <laughs> and Helia <laughs> takes the wheel. And they flood everything. The gods essentially say to select people, move to the top of the mountains. And they flood Hyrule entirely. That is why in Wind Waker, the kingdom is actually under the sea. And then you basically deal with the fact that while Ganondorf's being re resurrected, all that jazz, um, after you take care of him, you go on a mission to find a new Hyrule. You're still on top of the water. Um, so there's the Phantom Hourglass, which is essentially the Great Voyage. Um, do you, how, deals with the ghost ship. Do you ever run into Kevin Costner? Out on the high no. seas? Okay. <laughs> uh, I will say with Wind Waker, there is a moment where you go under the ocean and you find what's left of Hyrule. It's like Hyrule Castle in a bubble. And you can like go outside and see Hyrule under the ocean and can't explore it though. And it is... And you see like windows of the sages and Zelda finds out she's Zelda and it's the best moment I have possibly ever played in a Legend of Zelda game. Like specific scene... Holy crap, that was so fucking cool. Yeah, I also really enjoy how Zelda in that is a badass. It's not just, I'm going to sit here She's and look pretty queen. and then get put to sleep like what happens in um, the Legends, uh, oh, the Adventure of Link. Um, yeah, she's a pirate queen. She has all these big, burly dudes who do her bidding. Um, not all of them are the brightest, but they do their best. <laughs> and basically, you, you adventure with this 
pirate queen who's like, oh, I guess I'm the princess. I'm still a pirate. <laughs> and I just think that's a really cool dynamic. So you basically spend the rest of that uh, that timeline looking for Hyrule for one game and then finding Hyrule and establishing the new land with a train system in Spirit Tracks. I really want to play Hyrule Trains like that. It's just... I um, Those are actually the two games... I have barely played any of. I put about two hours in Phantom Hourglass. They were DS only, weren't they? They were kind of clunky. I had really trouble with the, the systems. The DS was kind of clunky in general. I loved it as a system. Uh, they hadn't quite figured out how to do portable 3D games yet. I want to say no, but I really can't. Because <laughs> uh, most of my experience on that was Pokemon or Monster Hunter. And Monster Hunter games were so clunky up until Monster Hunter World. Uh, which is the reason why it's so good for people. I mean, I still have my 3DS. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. I Just still because have the game is clunky does not mean it's necessarily bad. But yeah, that's essentially what happens from Ocarina of Time. You deal with the fact that whether the hero defeats Ganondorf or he dies, the timeline splits and you get all these great games that are just pop up after and they could be centuries between the games, in, at least in the timeline. Which I think is really important because if they did one back to back, it it could go well. Which is why I have a little bit of reserves about the new Breath of the Wild. Yeah, they've announced sequel coming out. It's just the same two characters. Yes. Which Zelda's never. No, it's done. It did it with Majora's Mask. But they added a whole different cast in there. Yeah, they they changed the world really significantly. Is and, it going to be the same high? And the like? gameplay was different. The thing is, I've spent so many hours in Breath of the Wild that like. It's kind of daunting to be like, another playthrough? <laughs> I'm going to have to start over again? I'm so powerful now. How many shrines are there? 120? I saw this thing recently, an article, and I had a little clip of some... I don't remember who it was. It was a pop singer I'd never heard of. Uh, but she was talking about playing video games and she's like I've sunk 500 hours in the Breath of the Wild <laughs> and then like there's a moment of, like across where the realization goes across her face where she's just like oh shit I have spent 500 hours in this one video game yo that's casual Monster Hunter yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's I don't know there's, there's many reasons why Ocarina of Time is the pinnacle of most people's favorite legends of the game it's personally not mine. As I mentioned, it's Twilight Princess, Majora's Mask, and then number three changes quite often. It might actually be Skyward Sword, um, but then I think it's Ocarina of Time. Ocarina was my first Zelda game, so it just sits there as, like, the center of the... Zelda's probably my favorite video game franchise, and it's always going to be right at the, the center of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um... As I already said, it's mostly my main Zelda. Yeah. Like, I've, I've dabbled here and there. <clears throat> I could easily see one of the other ones becoming more of my favorite if I were to play it more, especially Twilight Princess. I love the aesthetics of that fucking game. Um, yep. But I just haven't put that time in. And so it sort of remains Ocarina, especially because that entire soundtrack is a banger. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think what makes the latter games so excellent... And Nostalgia definitely ranks Ocarina of Time up there. But it's the fact that Miyamoto used all the things he did right from Ocarina of Time and kept expanding on it. Exploring Twilight Princess, besides the visual aesthetics, 
is so fun trying to find all these random heart pieces using all these tools that are unlocked with each dungeon. Being a wolf. Being a wolf that actually helps you get stuff. Like just running around and digging. And I love digging. Link's Awakening, I roam, roam with a shovel. Yeah, uh, and it actually works anytime they they almost always try a new thing in Zelda games. And if it works or not, the next time they do it, it will work. Like Majora's Mask, you could play different bodies. You could be a Goron, you could be a Zora. And it, only, it like it was a great concept, but it only sort of worked. But then later on when you played the wolf, it actually worked really well. Or like other, you know, Ocarina had time travel, Majora's Mask had more time travel. And it was such an <laughs> integral part of the game. And it was a lot smoother than just sometimes I go back to the past. What did we just knock it out of the park with? Time travel? Okay, more! <laughs> Dial it up to 11. Let's do it every three days. God, that game is so stressful. I, I, I was playing with a friend, and we got to the dawn of the second day. And he goes, oh crap, man, you're running out of time. And he was like really serious. I'm like, you are out of time. You need to go back Get and start everything over again. done. No, he was just like, it's, it's time to go back. It's time to restart. And I'm mm. like, but I have 48 hours left in this game out of what is it, 72 like chill i can still get this temple done <laughs> that's the thing though it's like three days one temple then you like do a quick little side mission and then you reset i've had it down to the wire too where yeah. i like beat the temple boss and there's like five minutes left of the day and you're like fuck 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 like, <laughs> i think it took me more than three real life days to beat the fucking water temple in ocarina the first time yeah F that temple. Ocarina so sucks. Hard. I got stuck on the, the Shadow Temple because I didn't know you are supposed to get rid of the leaves in one room to find the key. And so I sat there for like a year and a half. Apparently, in the remakes of Ocarina, they changed the Water Temple up. so cause To make the, it easier? Yeah. Because <laughs> one of the most difficult things about it was it didn't tell you which place you had to go to to raise or lower the water level. So you would get them confused fuck up and have to go through like the whole process and so they put up or down arrows next to the spot and my my friends because children these days are soft <laughs> soft like the water temple yes but that's a good thing they don't have to deal with the crap that we had to deal with but they were like why this like 12 year old girl was like why are you so fucked up about this temple like this temple's super easy you just look at the arrows I'm like what arrows? <laughs> and at first I thought I was just really dumb my whole life. <laughs> Until I realized I was a remake and I'm like, oh, you cheated. Oh, yeah, <laughs> this doesn't count. That and I just... Eventually, obviously, I learned that there's tricks to get around it. But that first time against Dark Link, come on. That wasn't fun. That sucked. That was brutal. You try every weapon in your arsenal and then you're like, what do I do? <laughs> no. Yeah, Zelda as a series has never been very into, like, deep, helpful narration. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're like, you'll figure it out. Good luck. Oh, yeah, especially Breath of the Wild. That was the funniest thing. You got no tutorial. You, you experienced that game. My first death was on the Temple of Time. I literally fell about two stories and lost all three hearts right there. Well, yeah, you every Zelda game from Ocarina up through Skyward Sword, if you jumped off a cliff, you could fall a thousand feet, and as long as you pressed the roll button right at the end, you would land and be perfectly fine. So you fell off Temple of Time, I went on the highest tower I could and jumped off, because <laughs> that's what you do. And then I'm like, yeah! Uh-oh. 
<laughs> and you fell off the couch laughing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's... Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I think so. I, it's, it's interesting playing a game like that where there's just no tutorial. Like, how do you cook food? How I do threw you it in the fire the first time. How do you start a fire? Oh, you throw down flint and then hit it with a metal weapon? Like, that makes sense, but nothing in the game tells you that. Yeah, like, if you find the right book somewhere, it probably mentions it, but that game's, like, four times the size of Skyrim, so... I think it's nine, actually. I nine think that's times what I the size of Skyrim. Good luck finding that book. How does that compare to Odyssey, since that's the largest... The, the latest gigantic game It's not as big as Odyssey. I saw a map once and I was like, Skyrim, wow, that's pretty big. Breath of the Wild, fuck yeah. And then it just kept going and I'm like, why? Guys. Odyssey uses so boat travel space. though, right? Hmm? Does Odyssey use boat travel? I haven't played it yet. Yes. There's, okay. Well, there's boat travel, there's horses on yeah. land, there's, of course, different modes of fast travel. I Somebody did a video of traveling from one corner to the other and it was a long long <laughs> long time breath of the wild is a game where i generally try not to quick travel too much just because you'll find such fun interesting things and it's just fun to explore and there's something about it that you just something about the world of hyrule and i think breath of the wild did it best but all of the games kind of had this that you would get to the peak of a mountain and like be like fuck, I really want to see what is over next. Like, I, it, it's such a complete world. How far can I glide and then go to wherever looks cool next? And you find cool stuff at that. They, they made it subtle but carefully crafted so that you can go get lost. And the more lost you are, the more cool stuff you find. I mean, even now, fucking 22 years after Ocarina of Time came on... If I ever load it up, one of the first things I do is go check out Kakariko Village because I like Kakariko Village. I'm like, I want to check up on these people. They're it's the exact same homies. place that they've been since I was 10, but... Look, it's my homies and that asshole. I, and that <laughs> asshole. I had one day in, like, undergrad where someone said something that triggered, like, just a Legend of Zelda crisis in my head. And I started like imagining all the maps and how they overlapped. And Kakariko Village, uh, like Mount Doom, I forget what it's called, the Fire Mountain. Death Mountain. Death Mountain, there, not Mount Doom, different story. Um, and like the so Lake Kili, all that. that, they're in the same exact places for all of the games. And like for some reason, I just always thought they're like different stories. And like when my brain combined all of that, I was just mind blown like brain splatter on the wall behind me just like yeah uh one thing i love about breath of the wild is it references every zelda game ever made which is fun because you know we just went through this entire chronology with three timelines and all this stuff and everyone's like yeah we know how it works and this game never happened in this universe and then breath of the wild references all three universes and people are like how really did the three universes merged back into one. I'm like, that's not how timelines work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that is... I don't know where Breath of the Wild fits in the mix. It was such an... I think there's the like a crisis game. on Infinite Earths of Legend of Zelda where the different Links and Zeldas throughout time have to team up and fight the Anti-Monitor. 
who has teamed up with Ganondorf. And at the end result, all the infant Zelda Earths are back in one. I made that up on the spot. Maybe Pay me lots of money. Maybe someone uses the Triforce to wish all the timelines together or something like that. Through some consolidation, some genie wish that you kind of got what you want, but also you got tricked at the same time. Fucking monkey's paw it. Yeah. Okay, now I just want a Zelda game where Link has to, like, learns the history of his reincarnation, gets a headache from it, and goes to change time just because that's like, fuck, this is confusing. Let's do this. This sucks. Let's make it one. <laughs> one, uh, just because we haven't brought it up at all yet from Ocarina, and one of my favorite parts is Sheik. Yeah. Sheik is so cool. That character design. That uh, All day long. There's an entire village of them, basically, in uh, Breath of the Wild. What? You can even dress... Like, you get a Sheikah outfit, which allows you to be stealthy. Man, I gotta play Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I know we said we were gonna talk about Ocarina, and I've probably talked more about Breath in this time, but uh, it, in, in the same way that Ocarina kind of changed the game... Breath of the Wild changed it again. Breath of the Wild is changing video games. When it came out, it was rated so highly. People weren't prepared for it. When that game was coming out, I took that day off work so that I could be at the midnight release. And then I made so much good food. I had juice. I had tea. I pre-made some really healthy meals. Because I knew if I was going to make it through the weekend to Monday, I needed to eat well. <laughs> like... And it, it got to a point where I think I spent three days playing the game. And it's such a quiet game, which is super interesting for Legend of Zelda. And you see the sun rise and set. You see the moon rise and set. And three weeks passed in the game. And I honestly felt like I lived three weeks. It's so calming. Even when like crazy, exciting shit is happening, I am just... It's where I go, I'm like, I'm having a really bad day, and I like load up Breath of the Wild, I'm like, really any Zelda game, but Breath of the Wild more than any of them, I'm just like, ah, I'm out in nature again. I'm not remotely, I'm in my crap-ass basement apartment, but I'm out in nature. See, I've been getting that from Red Dead 2 lately, but... I can see that, yeah. It's been pretty great, just out on my horse. Breath of the Wild <laughs> is prettier. Partly because it doesn't feel the need to, like, be realism, so it just looks like you're in a painting. That's pretty accurate. But if I've had a really frustrating day, can I blow half of someone's head off with a shotgun in Breath of the Wild? Bomb arrows. Okay. There's cool. actually a thing when you are like <laughs> flying and you start shooting, it slows down time. Ooh. So you can fire like a ton of arrows. And Sean and I are playing here and we go up to uh, the Lionel, which is one of the most complicated enemies. He's like, here's where you sneak. And I'm just like, nope, I got this. And like load up the heavy weapon, load up my bomb arrows and like jump off a cliff and just like launch like 14 bomb arrows at the guy and he's like, wait what <laughs> <laughs> and it's that's the thing i love about legend of zelda is everyone has their own play style that absolutely mind blew me because i think it's all the time playing elder scrolls but i i sneak i crouch down i shoot someone in the head and i wait for them to say what was that ah must just be the wind <laughs> <laughs> god that was way too good and that's that's what I do. I sneak, and then when things go bad, you pull out a two-handed sword, and you go to town. This this might be a surprise to people who know me, because, you know, I am not a subtle man. <laughs> and Sorry, so I go, that was uncontrolled. I go straight to the two-handed sword, or hammer if you can. Like, in Ocarina, they gave you the 
what is it? The not the Goron hammer. Yeah, it's the, a. Uh, ooh, yeah, it's a Goron. Uh, it's a bigger no, big Goron sword. That's it. Yeah. No, but there's an actual hammer you have at one point. Oh, in that one too. What's that fucking hammer? It's ooh. not a good weapon. But I used it constantly because I was like, I use that a lot. Big too. hammer, guys. Yeah, it was. I think really useful for stunning things. <sighs> but also, speaking of king of stunning, boomerang. Mm. I don't think any video game has used a boomerang like Legend of Zelda has. And the other day when I was playing Link's Awakening, it is overpowered. In that super game. overpowered in that game. I'm like. What do I trade in? I don't want to give up my bow because you have to trade something for the boomerang. I'm like, I don't want to give up my bow. I don't want to give up my bombs. You always here's, want the jump button. Like I hate this, but here's my shovel. And then I get the boomerang and just like throw it. I'm like, oh, it's going to stun it. And just like immediately murders a stone spiked creature. And I'm just like, whoa. And then just like, like I don't know how to kill Kirby in this game. And just like boomerang, 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 boomerang. And just murked it. Just not even a fair chance. That's a fun thing about Link's Awakening. Of It wasn't... It, like... Zelda is kind of Nintendo's biggest property at this point. Even if Mario is like their mascot character, a Zelda game will always get them more attention and praise and money than any Mario game that comes out. But they can spam Mario, so upsides. Uh, but that wasn't true when Link's Awakening came out. So they introduced like Peach shows up in that game, Mario shows up in that game, and like generally not directly, but like references to them. Mm-hmm. You get the chain chomp in that game. You. Literally fight Kirby in one of the bosses. Yep, you jump on Goomba. Yeah, Goombas are everywhere in it. It's... Um, yeah, they, they really expand everything. But you even have moments where you're in a platformer style. Like, I'm looking at a side view. I'm jumping onto Goomba's heads while trying to dodge the falling blocks with faces. As you do. As you do. Apparently people have tried really hard to fit this into, like, the canon and explain why it's going on and I'm like guys don't think about it <laughs> apparently there's a Mario canon but like definitely don't think about that one <laughs> especially <laughs> that because Link's Awakening is in his head it's all a dream oh, yeah. and it's the whole premise is don't wake up the wind fish otherwise our world disappears and Link's like I'm gonna wake up the wind fish and Link goes yeah <laughs> next dungeon no there's a sign on the wall that says literally don't wake up the wind fish we will yeah. all die and disappear. <laughs> you save this entire island, and then you wake up the windfish, and it disappears. And you wake up on your boat. And you're like, which... Oh, no! <laughs> which is super interesting, because the windfish is actually a character in Skyward Sword. It is this giant... They call it a leviathan. It's basically a flying whale that you find in this thunderstorm. It's corrupted at the time in Skyward Sword. But essentially, you bring it, to find it, you bring it a giant pumpkin filled with pumpkin soup because apparently it likes that. And then all of a sudden, you have to like befriend this thing. And it was just one of those things like, I didn't need a flying whale in this game, but I'm so happy it's here. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, this series is great. I apparently really need to get caught up. That's what I'm gathering from all of this. It, I'm, I like, th- getting sad inside. I think, like, people are like, what's your favorite fantasy world? Lord of the Rings? Harry Potter? Hyrule is probably my favorite straight-up fantasy world. It's this or the Discworld, because it's uh, there's so much you can do with it. The characters and, like, the cultures they've created for it are so strong. Your chance of death isn't as high as some of the others. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even in 
Breath of the Wild, where it's literally post-apocalypse Hyrule, like, you fucked up a hundred years ago, and now it's like you find the shattered remains of towns. Life is still not bad in Hyrule, for the most part. People just avoid the areas with giant multi-leg killer robots. I'm like, I will always go visit the Zora or the Goron, any game. I'm like, I'm gonna go see their town again. Yep. I'm legitimately excited, and any time I'm always just like, holy fuck, this is cool. Like, the worlds are so... The cultures are so different, and that's a danger of fantasy. You can get either very homogenized or very uh, kind of cookie-cutter. Mm -hmm. All dwarf worlds are roughly like this, because they don't use dwarves directly or elves directly. They have the Zora, the Goron, the whatever grass species they want at the time. The Koroks are fucking amazing. Uh, the the Rito, the bird people. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're so different from each other. They're, there's no homogenization in I love the little plant people, and I forget their name because it's been the Koroks. No, um, in Skyward Sword, it's been a long time since I played. They're essentially little hedgehogs that hide underneath plants that like bloom on their back, and so like danger, they drop on their face and then like plant sprouts out. That's amazing. And they're pretty much Bulbasaurs but hedgehogs. And, oh my god! Yeah, and like there's one you find who's super old and is kyo 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 kyo, <laughs> and just it's you didn't need these tiny little characters. In the story, but it makes it so much better to find these defenseless little plant creatures. Uh, in Breath of the Wild, there is the Koroks and a similar thing. If they're everywhere, there's 900 of them in that game, hidden under rocks. If you you know move this one picture with no hints whatsoever, a Korok will appear and give you a seed, and that's how you more seeds is how you upgrade. Like I can hold more weapons now, mm. or I can like hold, hold more, more shields, or. Um, um... Or both. But just catching the Koroks is so fun. It's Cece's favorite thing to do. She'll just sit there for hours happily, like, going under every rock and seeing what's there. And I keep meaning to buy, like, Korok toys and start hiding them around <laughs> the house. That is that is one of the true joys of Legend of Zelda, in my opinion, is the small things like that. Where you run up and you see three trees on top of a hill. You don't think anything of it. You're like, oh, cool, apples. Well, if you take off all the apples and make all three trees match on all the branches, yeah. then a Korok pops out and gives you a seed. Yeah, you found me. It took me so long to figure that out. I went for like a year before I realized I that. I just kept thinking like, I've eaten so many apples from so many trees, I could have like upgraded my bag by now. Or yeah. there'll be like uh, a shrine and there's an apple in one of the like three donation tins. And if you put apples in the other two, they're not all apple related. I should say that these are the two <laughs> that we're doing. A korok will pop up. Yeah, ha ha! You found me. And then you steal all his apples and drop a rock on his head because I'm an <laughs> asshole. But hundred uh, <laughs> percent true. Or like under rocks, and then in theory you should like throw the rock and not drop it Back on, on the korok. But almost every time I hit the wrong button and just oh, I'm like oh god no. <laughs> all you have to do is press A. If you're pressing forward and A, you throw it. If you just press A, you just oh. drop it on his head. <laughs> Whoops. That's yeah. hilarious. So it's it's super cool when you expand a world like that and change. I mean, they they've changed so many characters so many times. Zora have changed. Um, the Koroks have changed. Uh, the Gorons are actually probably the most consistent. When you yeah, they've, don't, they've largely not changed. Yeah, when you don't get into their heroes, but I guess mountains barely change as they are. So Yeah, they're, they're rocks. Um, also, the Gorons were just so well-designed from the beginning. Yeah. There was no change needed. 
and just characters reappear. Impa, there's a version of Impa in everyone. There's a version, not like not just Link, Zelda, Ganondorf. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself, as much as you want to like find and meet new people, when you meet Impa, you're like, hey! Like, I'm excited to see what this new version is. I know you, old lady. <laughs> or old man in one version, which was very strange, but uh, she's a time lord. She is a time lord, actually. There's somewhere it's like, how long have you been alive? <laughs> You're this tiny little wrinkled old lady who probably hasn't eaten, just monking it up. <laughs> um, I don't know what else to say about Zelda. Yeah, uh, any other last thoughts on this game? I, I kind of want to... Series of games? Link. For, for those so who don't know, part of me really wants to introduce the origin story for like the Master Sword and Link, if that is possible. Give us and a quick if we one. have the yeah. time. Yes. Um, wow, you have pages of notes. Don't I... worry about it. Most of this is... In order for me to understand the three timelines, I think it's like one page. That is so complicated stuff, and I really needed a refresher, which I spent way longer than my tired self should have done last night. But when it comes to Legend of Zelda, I stay up way too late. Basically, in the original story of Link, this comes before Skyward Sword, which is where you literally hone and fashion the Master Sword. Link is a knight of Hyrule who premonitions danger in the form of demise and he's betrayed and chained in a dungeon where he spends years until the lord who framed him dies in battle and hyrule turns to link to lead them he basically says screw you why do you always gotta use me (laughs) but he loves the land of hyrule and so he says yeah i will go into battle well down comes the goddess hylia herself on a loft wing, which is this giant crimson red bird. Comes down, basically says, we need your help. Gives Link um, essentially the pre-version of the Master Sword, which he then has the humans forge further. It gets blessed by the gods. It's originally the Goddess Sword, right? Yes, it's originally called the Goddess Sword, but it is still, in fact, the Master Sword. And it even says in there that it is the Master Sword. And Basically, Link goes into this huge battle against Demise, wounds him, and then falls. He basically gives up his sword in order to raise Hyrule into the sky, which then becomes the land that Link is reincarnated in for Skyward Sword, where you're above the clouds. This is essentially a protective barrier, a sea of clouds, so that all of the demon forces down below cannot kill the goddesses people all the helians link is too weak to get back on that and essentially dies on the i guess on the land itself and after sealing away demise hylia vows that every time evil rises link and the human form of her will return as well essentially because he did such a selfless act um in order for the the best of the land she basically makes him reincarnate for Sort infinity. of immortal? Pretty much immortal for whenever he's needed, Link will arise. And that is why for countless decades, you can play different installments of... Not countless decades, there's only a few. But you can play different installments of Legend of Zelda, and that's why you can keep making these games. And I have no idea how long they're going to keep making the games. I don't know if it's going to stop as with Miyamoto or ever. And as long as Nintendo's around, they're going to be able to make money off And I'm kind of so. okay with that. 
And it's just, yeah, it's it's interesting how they so greatly established uh, that comic. Actually, it's a manga. Um, is in the back of the Hyrule Historia. Um, I'm sure there's versions online if you do want to read it. Oh, that's the one it's, where he has a cool scarf. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's just um, Link with a scarf, but scarves are cool. And he's super cool. Says super angsty things. Like, now the lion has his claws when he gets a sword, like, reforged for him and stuff like that. <laughs> just the most... He is the most edgelord Link I have ever seen in a game. Or, I guess, in, in any in form Link. of media. Pretty much. And I just think that's... I don't know, it's, it's really fun to see that. Especially before such a cool origin story, which was Skyward Sword, that establishes the entire world uh, of Legend of Zelda. My last thought on Legend of Zelda is a thing I saw on the internet of the idea that Link is like a cryptid of Hyrule because people will like hear the legend but not necessarily like understand and then one day like you're hanging out in your village going about your business some kid in green runs in breaks every pot leaps off a uh, leaps off the tallest building rolls lands fine and runs away and you're like what the shit just happened and your grandmother's crying, being like, I haven't seen him since I was a little girl. The prophecy like, is true. <laughs> and like that, that is, that makes me want to live in Hyrule more than anything else. Just to see Link once and be like, oh yeah, that is weird. I love that concept because essentially Link is the savior of all time. But also at the same time, he's pretty much just a chaotic gremlin. He's a, a raging psychopath. <laughs> like, you just made it sound like the most pleasant version of Spring Hill Jack. Yeah, actually, now that you say it, like, a lot less choking people. Mm -hmm. um, a lot more breaking pots. There, there was a really funny comic um, online. I'm pretty sure they stopped. It was like, manly guys do manly things. Manly guys doing manly things. Yes. Uh, the punchline is machismo.com. You super need to read it. Super fun. But they throw in Ganondorf, and you see it from Ganondorf's perspective, which actually kind of, like, humanizes him, which I really love where they're like how are you so good at like braiding your hair he's like bro i got like a hundred sisters like <laughs> my hair's always fabulous and but it's funny seeing the perspective like hey there's a dude in the bushes staring at you and it's link just like angrily glaring at ganon and he's like yeah he does that i really like can't get him to stop breaking it's all my places and like breaking all my pots so i basically just set up stuff so he can do that <laughs> like, just yeah. keep him busy and it's I think it's also cool um, seeing I guess perspective from Ganondorf and I also enjoy the versions where you find kind of something like Ganondorf who's not exactly evil like in Breath of the Wild you find a giant horse by giant horse I mean like 1.5 times the size of a Clydesdale maybe he's like the size of your house yeah. yeah and you can ride him but he is like dark black and the same red like hair color of Ganondorf. You steal Ganondorf's horse? You totally basically. do. Like, and then yes. you can name it something cool like Ignite or I don't know. I don't know what else <laughs> I named it. I like naming stuff in video games. That's why I'm so good at Pokemon. Stalks by Night. Yeah, perfect. Uh, nightmare. You know, like, <laughs> let's go classic. Um, Jimothy. Jimothy. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Steve. Steve. Sounds like really what we're saying is play some Legend of Zelda. Yep. It's yeah, good for the good. soul. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. I think um, before we say our goodbyes, uh, what recommendations do we have this week? 
All right, I'll keep mine on a video game bent, uh, especially with Ocarina of Time. I stayed away from this game for a long time because I thought it just looked like a God of War clone, only to play it and find out that all the gameplay reminded me insanely of playing uh, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, uh, just in the way the dungeons played out, and that is Darksiders. Uh, it is the grim dark version of the same play style. Is that Joe Madiwera doing like designed one? Sorry, there's there's a guy that did a bunch of comic books. He did X Men for a long time, and he left to do video games. He also did Battle Chasers. Yes, that is perfect. His art style is gorgeous. So. Uh, and you are war and. Things have happened, and on it's really like I said, it plays a lot like Ocarina. That's what you should take from it. And wow, it's just that, that is the best sell. Jamajera art and Ocarina. Fuck, I did not realize I should be playing this game as much as I should. It looks like a God of War clone. It looks super grim dark for no reason, but the play style is exactly what you'd like from all of this. So, um, if you want to check out something similar but with a darker aesthetic, a little bit of fun playing with like the Horsemen of the Apocalypse and shit. Darksiders. For me, I would also like to mostly stick on video games. Um, for all you hardcore fans, I know they're going to make a movie out of it soon. Um, if you really like to play excessive amount of hours of video games, Monster Hunter is always great. Since we're on the topic of Legend of Zelda, if you played most of them, I highly recommend playing Skyward Sword because I feel like that was the one game that was played the least that wasn't on a DS. And it was by far probably the best single story I have ever played in any video game. Damn. It's good to hear this, because, like, Skyward Sword is... I don't think it gets the love. It, it doesn't, and that's because it was on the Wii, and I think that was really hard for many people to get. And But just super great. Everything about it, all the puzzles and everything, it, it expanded on the universe in such a beautiful way that it made me wish Breath of the Wild kept some of the elements that Skyward Sword did. Because in comparison to um, Skyward Sword, Breath of the Wild kind of feels empty to me. Um, that might also be because the music is so quiet and subdued that you are supposed to dive into the game, but I absolutely loved the constant fanfare going on in the background. I could listen to the overworld theme on repeat, and honestly, I would probably enjoy life more if I did that. <laughs> besides that, besides all of the Legend of Zelda games... I would highly recommend in the comic world, I don't know if it's been brought up, check out Grayson. It is a addition with uh, my favorite DC character, which is Nightwing, the original Robin, who essentially gets killed off to the world and comes back as a super secret agent. He's James Bond. In a non-misogynistic James Bond series. <laughs> so great. He even sings his own theme songs while his partner is like, no, stop it. Why? Um, oh, God. It, Grayson is so good. Eh? Yeah. And it's it's super fun. It was one of my first introductions to comics that Zach lent me. And I just, I think it's super great thing. Also, so many of the Spider-Mans are just so heart-wrenching. So amazing to see such a human character with such extraordinary powers. That segues so perfectly into the Spider-Man comic book I'm about to recommend. Uh, Spider-Man Blue by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. It is part of the color series where those two creators 
told stories of the main character talking about someone that they lost that was very important to them. It's kind of awkward because the first three are like romantic and then the final one is Cap telling, uh, sending a letter to Bucky when he thought Bucky was dead. So you're like, Peter Parker talking about Gwen Stacy. Hulk talking about Betty Ross. Daredevil talking about Karen Page. <laughs> Karen, I don't know if I have that name right at all. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and then Captain America talking about his teen sidekick. And you're like, oh, no, oh, no. no. <laughs> but the the point of it is on the anniversary of Gwen's death as a way of dealing with it, Peter Parker is recording a letter ostensibly to Gwen. And it's telling the story of how they met and fell in love. And it's just gorgeous. And it fills in a lot of gaps of some of the comics that were happening at that time. Uh, Tim Sale was the artist on Heroes, if you remember that show. Mm -hmm. uh, Heroes was not that great. His art in it was always gorgeous. Save the cheerleader, save the world. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just, it's a very melancholy Spider-Man book, but it's so good. Uh, and then because you mentioned Grayson, I'll mention Midnighter, which was a spinoff of Grayson about angry gay Batman figuring out how to be off in the world. I think I've talked about it on this show before. It's just, you have. <laughs> this I'm is saying. why we need to write down our recommendation. <laughs> no, it's good. talking about uh, this. Grayson is you so have. good. Thank God we <laughs> have someone for that. No, but cause... Midnighter is excellent, and I really enjoyed reading it. And he flirts with Grayson the whole time. And because it's Dick Grayson, he's like, all right, I'll flirt with anyone. You acknowledge how good my butt looks? I was that's say, fine. I understand when you have an ass that looks like this. <laughs> my my only shame is that I have broke both the top piece and the pants for my Nightwing clothing. They you made him like a Nightwing tunic and pants yep. for Belagard? For fighting medieval combat, I have a Nightwing tunic. Um, kind of like what Link wears. That's a tunic, if you do not know. And I also have pants. And I broke the pants yesterday even before I started fighting. Too much yeah. power. The I think the phrase is the storm cannot be contained. <laughs> um, I broke four different spots on my clothes before I even started fighting yesterday. That's action nerd. I go hard. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we can have nice things. It's, no, honestly, it's true. Broke five pairs of pants in one year. That wasn't a great year. <laughs> but it was fun. Sean, thank you so much for being on with us today. Yeah, and uh, thank you for having me. This is an yeah. excellent time to spout about what I truly know. Oh, yeah, and when it comes to this, you're my guy. Do you want listeners to follow you at anything? Yeah, do you do anything that people can... That's the part I was forgetting to ask. Actually, um, it's not really nerdy related, because I, I don't stream or anything, but I have a Spotify with excellent music from when I was a DJ for two and a half years on a college radio station. So I tried to keep it as unknown as possible for the most part. And that handle is Flynn Cakes with Syrup. Flynn um, spelled F-L-Y-N-N. Me being Flynn. Not to be confused with Flynn Ryder, who when I shave my mustache I look like. We're not going to get into the fact that I had a girlfriend count 32 similarities between me and Flynn Rider in the theater. No, we're not. We're at like two hours already. But. Oh, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> Flynn Cakes with Syrup. Uh, I got a lot of great music on there um, from all sorts of genres. So thank you for tuning in. Yeah. 
Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on all social media, but in- except Instagram, because as you might have picked up by now, we suck at that. Yeah, we gotta get that figured out one of these days. Uh, at General Nerdery. You can find us on our websites, which are... Uh, you can head over to generalnerdcast.com to check out all of our back catalog and all that fun stuff. You can always contact us through the website or by emailing us, uh, generalnerdcast at gmail.com. Uh, while you're at the website, if you click the links up at the top, you'll notice that we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network. Uh, you can click through all that to find me talking about horror movies over on Fried Squirms. Uh, Zach, you go with the art of wargaming, and it's all... We talk about Machiavellian wargaming. Exactly. Like, it's awesome. It's what I'm doing next. Um... It's a lot more to describe that show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, with other projects coming down the pike, so to go straight to checking out all of them at once, that's earworm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. In the meantime, like us, subscribe to us, give us a review, give us a five-star review if you think we deserve it, or give us a whatever review and give us some critique, because we would love to learn more and know how we're doing. Uh, as we said, you know, Roar here, Sean here, requested a Superman episode, and because we're so excited that people listen to it, we did a Superman episode. Like, we would love to hear what you want from us. And now he's here. Yay! Yeah! <laughs> <sighs> In the meantime, we're your Generals of Nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed! Dismissed.